0: Welcome to the Public Health Power Hour podcast, a recording of live conversations with public health experts on the most important global health issues. I'm Steve Hamill, Vice President of Policy Advocacy and Communication at Vital Strategies. We're a global health organization and we're reimagining public health. At Vital Strategies, we believe that public health is everything that surrounds you that makes great health possible. That means clean air and water, access to medicine and quality care, healthy food and places to get exercise, and removing bias and discrimination in healthcare. Here on the Public Health Power Hour, we get together to look at how the world around us shapes our health and how we can shape the environment so that everyone everywhere has the potential for great health. And if you want to join our conversations live, please follow us on Twitter under the handle VitalStrats.
1: My name is Gloria Malone, and I am the Senior Manager of Digital Strategies for the Overdose Prevention Program at Vital Strategies. The Overdose Prevention Program works across seven states in the United States through a multidisciplinary, inclusive, and responsive uh, to local conditions. We strive to promote innovation, improve quality, build and scale, and ensure sustainability grounded in data and evidence and focus on racial equity. And we firmly believe in and know that harm reduction can end the overdose crisis we're currently experiencing in the United States. The overdose prevention program is just back from the National Harm Reduction Coalition, which was held this year in San Juan, Puerto Rico. The conference was attended by more than 2,500 people from around the world. While there have been some growing acceptance of harm reduction, including uh, the Biden administration acknowledging the existence of harm reduction, um, news segments covering harm reduction, and overdose prevention centers in New York City, we continue to see and face the worst fatal overdose crisis that the United States has seen ever. Um, In the previous year alone, more than 100,000 people died to a fatal overdose in the United States. While in Puerto Rico, we heard a bit about the work taking place in Puerto Rico to educate and save lives. We wanted to continue this conversation. And today, we'll be speaking with harm reduction advocates from Puerto Rico. Carla, can you please introduce yourself?
2: Hello, thank you for the space. I'm Carla Correa-Cepeda. I am a doctoral student of social policy at Universidad de Puerto Rico, Recinto de Río Piedras. I work as policy compliance and monitoring manager at Coalición de Coaliciones, a non-governmental organization that offers service to homeless. I have been working on hand production for more than six years with Intercambios Puerto Rico, coordinate the program Políticas de Drogas Conciencia. We try to have the conversation in the Senate and other spaces that person make politics publics to affect the person who use drugs in Puerto Rico.
1: Wonderful. Thank you. And uh, when you hear the name Puerto Rico, what is one word that comes to mind?
2: Wow. <laughs> I think empathy and
1: fight. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Tanagra, can you please introduce yourself?
3: Yes, hi, everyone. My name is Tanagra Melgarejo Pulido. I currently hold the title National Learning and Engagement Strategist for the National Harm Reduction Coalition. I am based out of San Juan, Puerto Rico. Um, I am a social worker and I've been practicing harm reduction for a while now I started in the 90s uh, when I lived in Holyoke Massachusetts and then I moved back to Puerto Rico in the 2000s and took a break and now I'm back and I've been with NHRC for the past five years and um I was really excited, thrilled, and proud to have had our national conference happen here so that folks could come and meet and witness the amazing, profound, and um, loving harm reduction work that happens in this island.
1: Wonderful. And when you hear the name Puerto Rico, what is one word that comes to mind for you?
3: Resistencia, resistance.
1: All right, we got empathy, we've got fight, and we got resistance. I love that. Thank you both so much for the work that you do in Puerto Rico in harm reduction and for joining me today. One thing that I was thinking about while I was in Puerto Rico is how often um, we hear about the overdose crisis within the continental United States, and we don't we rarely hear about the state of overdose crisis or drug use and the life saving harm reduction services in Puerto Rico. Uh, Can you both? Tell me a little bit about, um, you know, the state of drug use and the overdose crisis in Puerto Rico and, of course, the harm reduction services that are available to communities.
3: I think for me, I cannot speak of an overdose crisis without really naming that the crisis is colonialism, that the crisis is imperialism. That the crisis is capitalism, <laughs> that the crisis is racism, xenophobia, homophobia. Right? Um, it is that is the crisis. And here in Puerto Rico, being a colony of the United States and one of the longest colonies, uh, existing colonies in the world, uh, when the United States gets a cold, we say here in Spanish, cuando Estados Unidos le da un catarro, a Puerto Rico le da triple plumonia. When the United States get a cold. Puerto Rico gets triple pneumonia, right? So the impact of the way that uh, drug policies and practices are being experienced in the United States, uh, there's a a magnified experience here. I think that um, Puerto Rico, when you practice harm reduction, you have to contend with our cultural and social and political reality, right? And we cannot look at uh, harm reduction services Um, outside of that lens, particularly when it comes to the criminalization and penalization of people that are not only offering the services, but that are the people who receive the services. I think Puerto Rico has, um, here in Puerto Rico, we have a very um, conservative uh, perception uh, around uh, substance use and people who use drugs. And there's a lot of stigma attached to that. And uh, there's also um, a relationship Uh, around being an island that is a pass-through for um, the drug supply into different drug markets into the United States, right? And so I think that for me, um, when we look at the overdose crisis, it's an overdose crisis that is intersected, right, by the experience of people who use drugs in this island that tends to be invisibilized and ignored because both of our geographical reality and because of our political reality. Um, So for me, when I think of that, that's what comes to mind. And then I will just close this by saying that in the midst of all of that, one thing that gives me profound hope is that there are folks like Carla and other colleagues of ours that practice harm reduction that do that from a place of love, of empowerment, of empathy and resistance, and that have continued you know to connect and fight for the rights of people who use drugs right in sometimes very hostile environments um and they do it with with an energy that amazes me Uh, it's like it's a privilege to to witness that and to be able to support in the way that i can the amazing work that they do
2: I joined the word of Sanagra. The colonial situation of Puerto Rico does not allow us to attend to a particular situation. Um, in Puerto Rico, we don't have a opioid crisis like USA. We have a crisis of service. In Puerto Rico, uh, archipelago of one hundred forty five, we only have city, city, city organizations who make city exchange programs. So. The geographic of Puerto Rico is so complicated. We have mountain. We have person who don't have access to transportation and can have access to to harm reduction service. These issues affect the well being of the of this person. In Puerto Rico is the jurisdiction that prescribes the fewest opioid, according to the data. So we have other issues that we don't work because the state only Tanagra all... me vas a tener que ayudar porque me estoy trancando.
3: Dale, yo te ayudo, <risa> claro, I I will help translate. Go ahead. Dilo en español.
2: En Puerto Rico el estado prácticamente hace caso a todo lo que viene del gobierno federal que no 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 presta atención al contexto que tenemos como Caribe, como económico, fisiológico y todos esos aspectos que entonces no nos permiten crear un plan que atienda estas situaciones como se atienden en otros espacios de Latinoamérica y el mismo Caribe
3: One thing that Carla was saying is that because Puerto Rico is a colony of the United States, a lot of the policies, the practices that come down here come from a U.S.-based lens. And so they don't take into account our reality. They don't take into account, you know, the physical, geographical, social, economical reality of people. Uh, particularly people who are using substances. And so in that sense, because we're also a colony, sometimes you have your hands tied because it's really, really difficult, almost impossible to uh, push back or not to adopt those uh, policies and practices that are being imposed on us. uh, And also, you know, without challenging or potentially putting at risk Programs, the the few programs that we have available, and the few services that are available, right, to people, and so um, that's I think one of the perils of being a colony, right, uh, is that you can really uh, you can't have the control to make choices or decisions for yourself, and choices and decisions that are actually geared towards the well being of people because they are taking into consideration the real needs and realities of people. Thank you.
1: Well, thank you both for that very thoughtful answer and also providing the context for these questions, right? And the conversation that we're having today about the, not only the the geographical, but the social and geopolitical situations that are taking place in Puerto Rico in relation to um, the United States. And I can absolutely see why your words were resiliency and empathy and, and fight, Um, And so you all mentioned that, you know, there's uh, there's a lot of geographical diversity in Puerto Rico. You have mountains, you have city, you have, um, you know, coastal towns and all of these things. And so um, I would like to hear a little bit more about what the harm reduction services that are available to communities look like um, in practice.
3: Well, uh, and I, I think Carla can speak to that more than I can, because Carla's actually being in the trenches practicing here. I think that, you know, our harm reduction community is um, it's very tight knit. Right. I think that one of the things that struck me when I moved back and reconnected with folks here was the. Um, the intense solidarity that you will find amongst the providers and the folks that are offering services uh, within really sort of challenging circumstances, as we were mentioning earlier. Um, So I think that's one of the things that is important for me to highlight. I also think that as Carla was saying, she can talk more about this because Carla is now working with Coalición and Coalición has also been providing cutting edge services connected to harm reduction for a long time, is that it's not the same to provide services in Fajardo, where Intercambios Puerto Rico is, which is an eastern it's offering services. I'm sorry, in the east east side of the island, in Fajardo, which is an, a particular area um, of Puerto Rico that has um, a very really specific history. Right, it's a coastal town. It um, it covers. I think Intercambios covers Luquillo and other municipalities in the eastern seaboard of the island. Right, and then we have uh, programs in Ponce, which is in the south, and we have programs in Mayagüez, and then some programs in the area of Curabo, Caguas, Cidra, and San Juan, right? But there's a whole stretch of the island in the middle and some other parts of the island, like the southeast, that there's not a lot happening, if anything. And that is challenging because we know not only that people who use drugs live there, but also people that may want to access other kinds of services uh, related to you know, health and well-being that uh, are unable or very inaccessible. Uh, Because of geography as well. Um, I don't know, Gloria, when you were here, but you must have seen like we have a metropolitan transportation um, uh, bus system. Outside of the metropolitan area, we don't have transportation meaning that if you don't have a car or know someone has a car, uh, you're pretty much unable to move around. Uh, so for folks sometimes to access, for example, methadone, they have to travel not only hours, but the really long distances, distances right, back and forth. And that makes it uh, inaccessible. It's accessible, but makes it really uh, inaccessible as well for folks to to be able to have um access to or take part of and so that's also a direct impact which is connected to harm reduction services treatment is part of harm reduction services right so uh that is another reality as well um but i'm gonna let carla speak more to that particularly because she has done this work for a long time
2: (laughs) so in puerto rico We are few of us talking to each other about harm reduction. (laughs) We need to get out of our space and continue educating about harm reduction in all the island. Uh, Our peoples are very different and substance use behave in the same way. Like Tanagra say, Fajardo is not the same like Ponce or Mayagüez. So we have to work with this cultura de los pueblos cultures of the towns
3: the municipalities have their own culture and and also ethos right
2: yes eh, y entonces eso complica a la hora de ofrecer los servicios porque muchos de los municipios de la isla son bien conservadores y la iglesia tiene un una presencia bien grande y también eso influye en cómo se van a dar los servicios de reducción de daños que se piensa desde la abstinencia.
3: Yeah, so I think one of the things that Carla is saying that is also really important to highlight is that because we have such different um, sort of internal cultural norms. Based on the area and the town that you're in, when you're going to offer services, it will look different, but also the cosmology of that particular area is different. Uh, that is also, we also have a strong influence of fundamentalist religious um, organizations here, which we have to contend with when we're trying to offer services. Puerto Rico, when it was colonized uh, by the United States, the island was divided by different um, fundamentalist religious sects. So the whole island, you know, you have, you know, evangelicals in one side of the island and then you have folks that are Pentecostal in another part of the island. And that sort of um, presence and uh, influence, it still remains to today. Right. So having cohesive services is what Carla is saying. It's difficult, not only because there's few programs, but also because we're so far apart so spread out and because we're working within very dissimilar contexts, so uniformity is very challenging if not impossible at this moment
1: thank you thank you for that Um, and so when we think about harm reduction um and how as a phrase it's it's gaining some more you know more people are starting to know about harm reduction whether it's through joe biden um, talking about it in, in its federal policies or if it's news stations, you know, addressing harm reduction or having stories completely about harm reduction. Has the rise in this, you know, possibly media popularity of the phrase translated to practice and policy changes um, that to help those who need it most in Puerto Rico?
3: Carla, you want to answer, you can, if you want, you can respond yo puedo traducir. Okay. I can translate. Yo,
2: realmente, es, es muy emocionante escuchar al gobierno de Biden hablando de reducción de daños por primera vez. Es un es el primer gobierno que habla de reducción de daños como una estrategia para atender la crisis de opioides, pensando que esta crisis de opioides está afectando a gente blanca, de clase alta y por eso entonces estamos moviendo en los fondos para atender eso pues si, okay. si, si fueran negros latinos hispanos hispanas esto no estaría pasando que es importante tener ese contexto okay déjame decir eso <laughs> Let <me say> that.
3: <laughs> so one of the things that carla is saying is that although it's really exciting to have a press like the fir- for the first time in the history of this work to have a sitting present name and recognize what we already have known that harm reduction is a practice a methodology that works uh that has worked for a really really long time we also cannot lose sight from the fact that we are that this present and that we're having these conversations because the opioid crisis is um uh, hurting and harming now white folks uh whereas in the past brown and indigenous and black people have been uh, hurt and harmed and experienced, you know, the, the perils of, of overdose and other, and the criminalization around substance use, and yet we're not having those, we weren't having those conversations then, right? So it's just to name those two things, that is bittersweet, that on one hand, you have this very, um, sort of, finally, you know, the recognition, we don't need it, but it's nice to have it, and on the other hand, is we're having this recognition because the people who are being most impacted are white folks, uh, and so that's bittersweet.
2: Pero entonces ahí viene nuestra situación colonial, cualquier ley a nivel federal que se estipule en Puerto Rico van a tener que obedecerlo, como pasó con el matrimonio igualitario, y estamos esperando que cuando se legalice el uso de marihuana, tanto medicinal como recreacional a nivel federal, en Puerto Rico lo van a aceptar a pesar de que se han dado proyectos de ley para hacerlo nosotros antes de que el gobierno federal. Así que esto es un asunto de que por nuestra situación política nos vamos a tener que acoger a lo que se diga en Estados Unidos.
3: Um, And the other thing that we need to, again, name is that because we are a U.S. colony, federal law supersedes local law. And so there are some things that could be really advantageous for us. For example, if and when the federal government decides to legalize the use of marijuana, Uh, across the board in the United States. Puerto Rico, because it would be federal law, will have to abide to that. Even though in Puerto Rico, many years before this conversation was being had in the United States, we were trying to pass laws internally to address that. But because uh, of our colonial context, if it doesn't come from the metropolis, many, many times it becomes ignored until it gets here because it's pushed or forced upon. And I would just add to this that Carla didn't mention. That's the same thing with the state of abortion here in Puerto Rico with Roe v. Wade, um, whereas like now we have a very conservative religious party that is trying to infringe upon the right of people who are pregnant uh, or are able to get pregnant and have your to have abortions here in Puerto Rico, for example.
2: Pero que bueno que se están dando estas estas conversaciones en el gobierno federal porque ya es tiempo de ponerle fin a la guerra contra la droga que realmente ha afectado a comunidades ya marginalizadas, vulnerabilizadas y tenemos que empezar a atender esta situación desde otra perspectiva que es salud, derechos humanos, no hay de otra forma. We, we need
3: to address the This crisis, from a lens of human rights, from a lens of of respecting people's humanity, it's important that we're having these conversations. It's about time that we have these conversations. The war on drugs is a war on people, and as long and we know that doesn't work, Uh, so it is. It's about time that we realize that, like we need to, the United States government, the federal government, has to have a different approach to To find a solution, because clearly, you know, uh, what they have been doing has not been, I mean, it's been working because it's meant to work in a certain way, but we want to stop the harm that is causing people.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much for both of your insights. Um, and again, the work that you're doing, uh, we absolutely know that the overdose crisis disproportionately affects, you know, Black people, Indigenous people, and a non-Black people of color. And so, the rise in the conversations around harm reduction are important. And, you know, those conversations also need to a- as extend to the ab- a- availability of equitable resources and changes and policies so that we can um, find our way out of this overdose crisis through a human rights and health lens that is equitable and, you know, really responds to the needs of people and and not only just people who use drugs, right, but all communities, um, as, as you all stated, and in Puerto Rico, a lot of the harm reduction organizations, particularly guidelines, is around uh, housing and providing, you know, basic services to people and making sure that basic needs are met so that people can live healthy, healthier lives and, and lives that are, are, are safer. I, I wanted, before we close out, is there anything else that you all would like to share with us?
3: I think that, um, you know, particularly after this conference that people we had, like, as you mentioned, when we opened, we had folks from the continental U.S. and different parts of the world come to Puerto Rico. You know, we've been doing this work for 30 years um, and we will continue to do this work after. Uh, but and I also think that for me, this was an opportunity for folks to get out of their comfort zone to really look at the history of the United States. And um, remember that there are still colonies like Puerto Rico and other territories um, that have been impacted um, and harmed by U.S. policies. And that when you hear or see folks in Puerto Rico that are pushing or fighting for social, political, or economic change to join us in solidarity, right? Like, I think that that's a really important piece um, just as we have done in the past uh, to support folks back in stateside. And so I think that that would be just my encouragement, right? Uh, for folks to continue to stay in communication stay um, abreast and aware of things that are happening here uh, to continue to support the work that local harm reduction programs are doing because we are we're part of your community. We may not be in the same land, but we're certainly part of your community as well.
2: Yo creo que también es importante eh, traer que nos permitan como archipiélago presentar nuestros datos que los hemos estado recopilando y que son válidos para justificar o demostrar cuáles son las situaciones que estamos pasando en el país para entonces nos den los fondos o nos permitan crear los programas que realmente están atendiendo nuestras necesidades y no que nos envíen como una, hay una solución mágica que funciona Mm en Estados Unidos y que piensan que va a funcionar acá. Yo creo que es importante que nos permitan esa autonomía como país para lograr atender nuestras situaciones. I think also
3: Carlos say in terms of of funding sources to recognize that Puerto Rico deserves to be autonomous deserves to be able to present its own data and uh, and and to take that data into account because our data reflects a different reality uh, most of the time funding sources we're in this crux where we're not part of the United States for some things and we're part of the United States for others so when it comes to applying for funding through foundations or federal funding it um, it, it is a, uh, it's a cash 22. Which makes it really, really challenging for us to be able to get the funding that we need and deserve, we, that we deserve, right? And that is needed to establish and build the programs that will make sense for the people of Puerto Rico, that can be criollos, that can be programs that are built based upon the needs, the reality, the insight and the input of the people who are going to be accessing them, who are people that live in this island or archipelago of Puerto Rico.
1: Thank you both Tanagra and Carla, for this conversation. Um, you bring up many, many important important points and, and really that harm reduction is contextual in many ways. And that, um, you know, people are striving every day to do work that saves lives and keeps people healthier and safe. Uh, People can connect with, you uh, can check out organizations like Intercambios, Puerto Rico, Colaciones de Colaciones, and the National Harm Reduction Coalition to learn more about harm reduction um, in and by with the Puerto Ricans. You can learn more about the Vital Strategies Overdose Prevention Program by visiting vitalstrat.org slash OPP page. Thank you for tuning in to listen and learn. If you enjoyed this episode, please follow us on Twitter at vital strat and if you're listening on a podcast please feel free to hit that subscribe button so that you are sure to catch all of our episodes
0: thanks again for joining us for this episode of the public health power hour we hold these live conversations several times a month on twitter spaces follow us at vital strat on twitter to join the conversation in real time we'd love to see you there to learn more about how vital strategies is reimagining public health go to www.vitalstrategies.org. I'm Steve Hamill with Vital Strategies. Join us next time on the Public Health Power Hour.